well, Steph, I was I was banged up a little bit, but I was really covering a lot of dust. I was just laying there waiting to get x-rayed in, in St. Vincent's Hospital, and I had closed my eyes just to gather my thoughts. And all I heard was this deep voice, you know, giving me last rites. And my eyes popped wide open, and I says, Cardinal, I'm fine. It is my true honor to welcome to Exit Strategy former New York City Fire Commissioner, Commissioner Sal Cassano, along with Rabbi Joseph Potasnik, who is the chaplain for the FDNY and the Fraternal Order of Police. Also, I want to mention that you are the author of Just Give Me a Minute, which is a collection of insightful stories. So, I want to take a moment, if I may, and give some background on both of these people because it's truly compelling and gripping. Commissioner Cassano was a FDNY commander on September 11th, 2001, and a responder at the World Trade Center and survived the collapse of the North Tower by taking shelter under a fire rig. You spent the next few months in rescue and recovery efforts and then served as commissioner from 2010 to 2014. Rabbi Potasnik was a FDNY chaplain on September 11th and continues to serve in that capacity. Rabbi Potasnik, you are also the executive vice president of the New York Board of Rabbis and, of course, a proud board member of Plaza Jewish Community Chapel. We can't forget that. I know the two of you have a very close bond with one another. So it's really, really my honor to say welcome to Exit Strategy. Thank you. Thank you. It's an honor to be here. The month of September is very often associated with High Holy Days in Judaism. And of course, now it's also associated with September 11th, a day that truly traumatized this city this region, this country, this world, and of course, countless individuals and families that experienced personal loss and of course, enduring grief as they continue to experience that trauma today. While I know we need to consider what happened after September 11th, I think it's really important to start with that day. So Commissioner Cassano, if I may start with you, where were you? How did you get the call? What did you see when you got to the World Trade Center? I, I was working in headquarters that day. We were in the command center just talking about the events of the night before, what we were planning on doing that day. And then a report came over the radio that there was an explosion at the World Trade Center. That's what we first heard, which certainly perked us up as chiefs getting ready to respond if needed. And then second report came over that there was a plane that hit the World Trade Center. Mm-hmm. You know, we all went into chief's mode, getting ready to respond in our car. I happened to run out to one of the offices where we had a great view of the World Trade Center, and you could see this big plume of black smoke. And I spoke to one of the chiefs behind me. I says, this can't be an accident. This is a beautiful day. It's clear. It's sunny. So there's no way in the world that this plane just went off course. So I drove my car down to the World Trade Center. I parked on West Broadway. And as I was getting out of my car, I heard another explosion which I thought was a secondary explosion because I didn't have a view of the South Tower. But that was the exact moment that the second plane hit the South Tower as I was exiting my car. Luckily enough, there was a garage that was open right there. So I ducked into the garage while debris was raining down on us. 
And then as soon as that stopped, I got into my car, drove around to West Street where I could get a view of the North Tower, which I know was the first tower hit. Uh-huh. We were giving orders out. I was working with Chief Gancy, our chief of the department who was killed that day. And I was working at, alongside him and getting orders from him and giving orders to other people. I made my way into the South Tower to see you know, who was working there, who was operating. And uh, we, we just went to operational mode. And then South Tower came down. We all ducked into a garage underneath the World Financial Center. When that cleared, Chief Gancy gave me an order to move the command post north to get it out of the way of the North Tower in case that came down. So as I was doing that, Pete went down south. I gave that order to move the command post north. I said, get it as far north as possible, even up to Chamber Street. And then I turned to make my way south to go catch up to Pete. You know, he was in chief's mode. He says, I need help. We know we got people trapped. He was going to go lead that rescue effort. That's just the type of person that Pete Gancy was. Yes. And so I made my way down south to try to catch up to him. And that's when the North Tower came down. Unreal. It's almost like there were instincts that were guiding you that day because this was so enormous, I'm sure. It makes me think about how you were able to ensure your own survival and cope with everything you were seeing around you because I believe both were important so you could ensure that other people would be okay. Were you panicked at all? Oh, no. You know, at that time, I had 32 years on the job. I was a staff chief in charge of Manhattan. I had been to many, many fires. Of course, nothing of that enormous size. But, you know, when you've been to a thousand fires, you always learn that unless you're calm, there's nobody around you that's going to stay calm. There's nobody around you that's going to have any confidence in you as a commander. And so we had to remain calm. And I will tell you this, that That day, I gave many orders to many firefighters and officers, and there was not one of them that questioned those orders or their duty or that assignment that we gave them, whether it was to go up into the lobby of the married hotel to evacuate that hotel or to go to the North Tower and get as many people out as we could. Everybody took their orders with the professionalism and dedication and heroism that we would expect of them. I have to tell you, I can't imagine having a job where I go to each day where I know it could be my last day. And what's interesting is that so many of these firefighters are generational. What do you think that is? Because you're so right. As you just said, you gave orders, everybody followed them. So what is it about a firefighter? What makes them who they are? Well, I I think two things. So you said generational. My brother was a firefighter before me, and my son is now a firefighter after me. Wow. And my nephew just retired, and my son-in-law is still on the job. So when you talk about generational and family, it is certainly that kind of a job. I'll just give you an example. good friend of mine, Jimmy Richie's lost his son. His three other sons came on the job to follow in his father and brother's footsteps, never deterred. We have over 60 legacy firefighters who either parent or sibling was killed at the World Trade Center that have come on the job since then. When you go to work, you know that if something happens to you, your family is going to be taken care of. Nobody can speak better than that than a rabbi who knows that how well the fire department takes care of their families of fallen or seriously injured because that allows you to do your job with the dedication that it takes to say, something happens to me, I know my family is going to be taken care of. Yes, and Rabbi Bitaznik, To that point, I also want you to talk about your role as a chaplain. 
because I know that you are not there just to simply serve the Jewish community. You're there to serve everyone. So talk about that a little bit. Stephanie, first, let me say thank you to you for a podcast that I think is so important in confronting the challenges of life today. Secondly, thank you for putting me next to Sal Cassano, (laughs) one of the greatest commissioners, I think, in the history of FDNY. I always tell people the department didn't become great on September 11th. It was great before September 11th, and their greatness was demonstrated once again with all the lives that were saved. And why do they do this? I always tell them they're crazy. (laughs) They're crazy about their mission. And Jewish tradition teaches a crazy person is a person of spirit. A crazy person is a person who does not accept the status quo and does not just go through life in a neutral fashion. So thank God we have crazy committed people who do this. I'm just not a Jewish chaplain. I'm a chaplain who's Jewish for for all people. Firefighters don't separate uh, when they save lives amongst the various uh, denominations, either do we as chaplains. And let me tell you one good part about being a rabbi in the FDNY, Commissioner Casano knows about this. There was a fire on Carroll Street in Brooklyn, and some of the firefighters suffered from smoke inhalation. I was on call that day. They were in the ambulance waiting to be taken to the hospital. And they looked up at me and they said, thank God, Rabbi, it's you who are here and not the priest who's here, because then we would really worry. So there's a benefit uh, to to being a a rabbi, but one of the greatest honors to be able to serve people who all have the same spiritual birth certificate. We're all children of God. We're members of one human family. Yes. And you know, in all the years that I've known you, I've never asked you, where were you on September 11th? What was that day like for you? I was in the gym in the morning, then all of a sudden got a call. I think many of us who saw it on the screen thought we were watching something that was surreal. Yes. Then when we heard it, I ran to the office. I was contacted by the 84th police precinct in Brooklyn Heights, said, could you please help us establish a triage area in your synagogue so the people escaping the scene, crossing over the bridge, have a place to to go? And we did that initially. uh, So people came in, we gave them water, and we arranged for transportation to get them home. And I'll never forget the words of a woman who was losing blood. She was bleeding. She said, can I donate this blood somewhere to someone who needs it? And then after that, I went to the site surrounded by many of the firefighters and first responders who desperately tried to save lives. It was there when a building collapsed, the Verizon building, we ran away from the building. And I, I saw firefighters all taking out their cell phones and mine works here, call your loved one, uh, exchanging cell phones with one another. I have never met a more selfless, selfless group of people than those who are first responders. We are blessed to have them in our yes. midst. So I'm Jewish and I'm Catholic with a small C which means universal. I gotcha. Tell me, as a chaplain, how did you deal with what was going on around you, your own personal journey, your trauma? What happened for you in that moment? There is a statement in Jewish tradition, strengthen your hand by holding someone else's hand. And I think the message there is to get through a horror can't do it alone. You need someone to, to hold and hug. FDNY, I often say, also stands for the family department of New York. So we are there with one another, for one another. Look, you mentioned Commissioner Cassano. He's a brother. He's not just a friend. He's a brother. And I spent much time with him uh, during that period. 
I always think my parents are looking down and saying, you're an only child. Finally, you found a brother. We didn't think his name would be Salvatore, but you found <laughs> a brother. We're very fortunate to have each other. And that's how we get through it. We get through it together. You can't get through it alone. So, Commissioner, if you wouldn't mind, I understand that Cardinal Egan of the Archdiocese of New York gave you last rites on September 11th. Can you talk about that moment? Did you actually fear that you were at the end of life? Well, Steph, I was, I was banged up a little bit, but I was really covering a lot of dust. Mm-hmm. I was just laying there waiting to get x-rayed in, in St. Vincent's Hospital, and I had closed my eyes just to gather my thoughts. And all I heard was this deep voice, you know, giving me last rites. And my eyes popped wide open. And I says, Cardinal, I'm fine. <laughs> <laughs> I was banged up, but I was okay. You know, I had a couple of minor injuries. But when I heard that voice, I said, something's not right here. We joked about it about 10 years later when he finally realized who it was that he was giving last rites to in the hospital. I said, that was me. And you're happy to be able to tell the story for sure. So do you feel that because of what happened on September 11th, it really compelled you to stay in service for the city of New York? And did you ever think of retiring at that point? You know what, Steph? I'll tell the story. It was one night, I guess, not that long after the collapse. You know, I was working 20 hours a day. So I I was laying in bed. I I guess I had that possibility of survivor's guilt. And I was talking to my wife and I says, I don't know why I'm alive because everybody around me that I was with was either killed or seriously injured. I mean, I, you know, I went one way and I was okay. I went another way. I would have been dead. And she just said to me, did you ever think that there was another plan for you? And that was it. You know, from that day on, I knew that the rest of my career was going to be dedicated to helping rebuild the department, helping to take care of our families, helping to ensure that we became better prepared as a department for a couple of reasons. Hey, we never want to face what we did on September 11th. But if we did, we would be prepared even better than we have been before. And that was a message to our families to say, your loved one's sacrifice and your sacrifice has not gone in vain. We are better prepared, better equipped, and better trained. And for the next 14 years, that's what I did. Yes, I have to ask both of you, one of the most profound images from that day, for me and I'm sure for many, was the image of Father Michael Judge, one of your fellow chaplains, Rabbi Potasnik. Can you talk about him a bit? I, of course, didn't know him, but when one looks at that picture of those firefighters with him, and of course, we learned about him, for those of us who didn't know about him, He seemed like such an incredible human being. What was that moment like for you? The truth of the matter is there are many people you cannot replace. Michael Judge is one of them. He was a person of deep faith who respected all faiths. We have a phrase in Hebrew called Mesiris HaNefesh. We deliver the soul. He didn't just put his hands, his head, his entire being, he put into helping other people we were together, and Commissioner Cassano was there on September the 10th for the rededication uh, of a firehouse. And it was uh, Michael Judge who said, you have to learn in life to hold on to memory, hold on to the moment, and hold on to each other. That was on September the 10th. Well, 
He was one who held on to all of us. And we have a responsibility. I know Commissioner Cassano very often when he speaks to people, talks about Michael Judge. That's what legacy is all about. Legacy doesn't end when a person's life ends. It's something that continues and will continue to keep his memory alive. So he may not be with us, but he'll always be within us. Commissioner Cassano, you talked about not only rebuilding the department, but of course, being there for the families afterwards. So I I do want to talk about what these families are dealing with these 20 plus years later. And what is the support that's available to them? Are we doing enough? I know the department has so many different services for our families. Right after September 11, when Commissioner Scapetta came on board, he started what we call a family assistance unit. Mm-hmm. They are there to take care of any of the needs of our families, whether it's help with children, help with financial scholarships available to them, services available to them. Our counseling unit has so many different programs, whether it's sibling program, a child program, parent program. So as far as programs available for our families, we have plenty of them. That's not going to bring their loved one back, but it will at least send a message to them that we are there for you. You know, people talk about never forget. There's so many people that have forgotten what has happened 20 years ago, but this department has not forgotten it. It will never forget it. When people come into our probie school, they are reminded about what happened on September 11th so that when they go to a firehouse, they understand, hey, the dangers of the job. But when you get to that firehouse, if they lost somebody, it's your responsibility to make sure that their family is taken care of in whatever way they need. You know, I believe that after September 11th, and I remember feeling this, there was a heightened respect for all those in public service, especially the firefighters and, of course, police officers. You think it's continued? I mean, I know we've had so many issues in the city, but I'm curious to know if you think we're back to business as usual or have we been able to hold on to that a bit? In New York, I'm going to speak for the firefighters because I think somewhere along the line, people have maligned the police department very, very unjustly because They are there every day to make sure that the citizens of this city are protected. As far as firefighters go, people love firefighters. Whenever there's a problem, they call us and we're there in three to four minutes. We still have that respect. Nothing's going to go back to the way on September 11th when whenever there was a fire apparatus, people were waving flags and banners. And, you know, we, we love FDNY. We love NYPD. People still love firefighters. They love to come into the firehouse to bring their children, to learn about the job. We still get classes that come into the, again, pre-COVID. Hopefully, we're going to get back to that now where people can come into the firehouse and learn about the department and someday say, I want to be a firefighter, whatever section of the city you work in. And that's our goal. That's why we want to open up our doors. But we still get that respect that is so justly deserved. Stephanie, if I could tell you one story. talks about heightened respect. I mentioned once to a graduating class at FDNY, there was a woman who said to me that whenever a fire truck would pass, she would put her fingers in her ears because it was too loud. It was too uh, noisy for her. Since September the 11th, she no longer does that. What she does is recite a prayer that may they get to their destination safely and may they return to their firehouses and to their families safely. So yes, 
there is a recognition that uh, these people are God's representatives here on earth, there to save us whenever we need them. And we are blessed to have them in our midst. I believe that September 11th Memorial has been somewhat of a healer. I believe that it has been helpful to hear the annual reading of names for families, the dramatic tribute in lights on the night of September 11th each year. Is there some collective healing that's going on, do you think? For many people, you know, the World Trade Center is their burial ground. A lot of people were not recovered. There's about a thousand people that have not been recovered. In fact, the department, out of the 343 of our members that were killed that day, we still have 127 not identified. And for them on that day, when they go to that site to visit, it's like them going to a cemetery to visit their loved one. It does help them to be there on that day. Just as somebody is lucky enough to be able to go to a cemetery to visit their loved one, they go there to visit their loved one. It's a very important day, extremely solemn, but it's needed for sure by our families. In our tradition, Jewish tradition, we refer to a cemetery by different names. One is a burial grounds, the other is a house of life. As Commissioner said, the memorial site, those are the burial grounds. But there's also a house of life. On my parents' gravestone, it says, they lost so much, yet they love so much. And I think for all of us, we recognize the many who have lost much, but we love each other very much. And that's how we're able to begin again. When you're born, you begin, but you have to learn sometimes how to begin again. And by having one another, thankfully, we're able to uh, start on page two because page one was taken away. All I can say to both of you is thank you. Thank you for your dedication, for your commitment, for ensuring that the memory of those who have died live on. And you two are incredibly special people. I'm thrilled that you have found one another. So you each have this special relationship in your life as brothers. I thank you so much. Commissioner Cassano and Rabbi Potasnik, you, you truly are gifts. And I thank you for being on Exit Strategy. Thank you, Steph. Thank you, Steph. As the host of Exit Strategy, I thank you for tuning in to what I hope was an informative and illuminating conversation. I urge you to visit our show notes, and there's an email listed there. So if you have any questions, send them my way. In the meantime, please share this episode with anyone you know who may be interested, and subscribe to Exit Strategy. Wherever you listen to your podcasts each month, we'll renew our conversation with another topic And I'm really happy you're along for the ride. I'm Stephanie Gary, and this is Exit Strategy.